Welcome to the HHCC, the Hip Hop Christian Connection. I'm your host, Tasha Little Queen. Yay, in the building. And today, I have a good show lined up for you, as I always do each and every Sunday here on the Love Zone USA. And you can also listen to us on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. And guess what, guys? There's another placement for me. I will now be available on Thursdays. On Philly Jams 95.3 I had to think about it for a second Because it's a new show It's going to be called Thirsty Thursdays On Philly Jams 95.3 So excited But today We have a special guest Officer Marcella Bradley Of the DMV Police Department Who will be talking to us About policing I'm so happy That we'll have this conversation I, I have a lot of questions for him And I'm just like So anxious But listen First, I want to get, you know, a couple songs out the way, as I always do. I always got good music for y'all, because y'all love listening to my tunes. Well, they're not mine, but you know, you know how I do. I play those good jams. <laughs> so, I have a couple of songs we're going to get out the way, and we'll jump right into our interview with Mr. Officer Marcella Bradley here on the HHCC. My granddaddy one day, I was a young boy Didn't know what he was talking about anyway Said the preacher got real loud Started stomping on the ground Then my granddaddy cried out The whole church went up in flames Said that thing felt so good My granddaddy said it again I'll never forget that day, yeah when my granddaddy put his hand on my head, I'ma tell you like my old kid told me, and he said,
the Hip Hop Christian Connection. I am your host, Tasha Little Queen, and I have with me here my special guest, Mr. Officer Bradley of the DMV Police Department. Officer Bradley, say hey to the people. So, Officer Bradley, I had a couple of questions because I know I've heard from some people, you know, the the protesters, the angry people, but I haven't got a chance to hear from the police from your side. So I wanted to get to know, you know, what it's like on your side, because a lot of you police are are getting a bad name. You got good cops, bad cops, and it's kind of hard to pick out the good ones from the bad ones. So I kind of want to hear 
things from your side, if if you don't mind. That's cool. That's cool. One of the things that um I wanted to ask, and I know this doesn't have anything to personally do with you, but I still just kind of want to know, like the things that are going on far as um the killing of George Floyd. Like, what was your initial reaction? I, like, I know you're you're a good cop. I, I know you personally. I know you're a good cop. But what was your initial reaction? I like. I just want to hear your side. Well, I haven't watched the full video because I didn't really want to see it because I knew, you know, just from the news and social media and all that stuff. I, I didn't really want to see that whole. I didn't want to watch a man die like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen the whole video, but I know what happened. My wife was uh, watching it one day. And she kept trying to show me like different parts of it. I think she kind of got the point after like the third time, and I was like, okay. And then just kind of walked away. Um, it's terrible. Like I'm, I'm I was telling my, my homeboy, you know, just yesterday, like I'm at a loss for words. Like I don't, I'm all out of adjectives or adjectives to describe the emotion like it's gotten real basic like okay this is bad this is terrible this makes me angry this makes me sad all of those types of the same emotions that everybody else has about it mm-hmm. I just happen to be a police officer that feels that way mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying so I don't I don't think I feel any differently than you or anybody else that was my next question like is it hard trying to separate the, the police officer you from the you know I mean, you're still human at the end of the day, but just trying to separate, you know, the badge from being the regular person. Because some people don't see you as a regular person when you're in that uniform. Like you're you're a cop, and people don't trust cops. So is it is it hard trying to transition? Is what I guess I'm trying to say. Sometimes. Nah, I mean, I see why it's hard for somebody, but it's not hard for me because I know that it's a job. It's a, it's a job like anything else so it would be like you asking the FedEx man is it hard being a black man and the FedEx mm-hmm. man mm-hmm. like no like I'm a black dude and I deliver packages mm-hmm. I'm like you know, I'm a black dude and I'm a police officer um, and, and it's because I don't identify myself as as a police officer I, as I identify being a police officer as my job mm-hmm. so when I go out here and I do my job I'm not really doing my job as the police officer I'm doing my job as Marcello Bradley mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying and and, and I, I handle situations the way I would handle situations in general not because I'm I'm a police officer so I'm still I'm a patient person so as a police officer I'm a patient police officer Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying so I don't really feel like it's that hard of a of a thing to of a burden to bear in terms of how I conduct myself out on the street and I also just accepted a long time ago that I can't control what other people think about Mm -hmm. so there's no point in me making an attempt to convince anyone otherwise unless that situation completely and totally presents itself where I'm actually having that conversation with someone mm-hmm. and they're open and I'm open and we're having that conversation but in general like you could think what you want to think so I wanted to know from you like what is the correct protocol for let's just say um, what happened with George Floyd something like that I know. I just want to know from you. What's what's the correct protocol that you guys would use for a situation like that? Um, Well, like I told you, I haven't seen the whole video, so um, 
I'll have to watch it and get back to you in terms okay. of actually analyzing. Because as a police officer and being an analytical person, I actually want to go all the way back to the point where before the moment before there's even an interaction between him and those officers. Mm-hmm. And then I will go step by step and be like, okay, why did they do this? Or he responded this way. So I can see why they responded this way. Or he didn't even do this. Or why did they even do that? So it's kind of hard for me to do that because I haven't seen the video. Right. Okay. Um, from, from, from what, from the portions of the video I saw and the pictures that I saw, and I could be wrong, it looked to me like he was already on the ground and in handcuffs. Mm-hmm. So I know when I, when I'm on a scene, if, if the person is in handcuffs, I'm trying to get them in the in the police car as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. Because generally once they once they're in cuffs and they're in the car, what that does is it, it brings a certain calm to the situation. Mm-hmm. Like everyone begins to accept that this is this man's fate. Like he's going to jail right now. Mm-hmm. So any any bystanders, they they are separated from him by the car, he's separated from them. And it allows the officers to carry on with their business and go on about whatever it is they need to be doing. Based on what I saw, I'm like, if he's in handcuffs, why are we still sitting on the ground for however long they were on the ground? Right, right. I didn't really get it. So, I mean, there is no necessarily, there, there, there is no protocol to say that once someone in is in handcuffs, you have to immediately put them in the back of a police cruiser. That's just something that common sense tells me is a good thing to do because at right. that point, I don't have a need to touch him anymore. He doesn't have a need to touch me anymore. I can put him in the back. I can turn, if it's hot, I can turn the air on. If mm-hmm. it's hot, I may be cold. I can turn the heat on and we can go on about the business of doing whatever it is we have to do regardless of how anybody else feels about it. So you make it sound so easy you know, versus what we actually see on social media. Like, these cops out here are, like, they're going crazy. They're going nuts. And like you said, don't even take all that. For real, for like how you made it sound. Like, it's like real simple, calm, easy. Maybe because you're, you know, a patient guy. So that's how you do your thing. And that's that's what works for you. But sometimes everybody else just, like, they crazy. And that's right. what we're dealing with right now. And unfortunately, we lost another life behind police brutality. So my other question is, um, I have another situation. Okay, I was put in handcuffs. I was put in handcuffs because they thought my car was stolen. So they automatically pulled guns out on me. Is that the proper way to handle things? You say, is that the proper way to handle things? Yeah, is, is that something that you guys have to in do? A, like for a stolen, a stolen car? car situation? Yes. yes. Yeah, so 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 why did they stop they stopped you simply they stopped you because they thought the car was stolen? Yes, they thought my car was stolen. It was reported stolen. And it actually wasn't stolen. Okay. It was it was repoed, but still. They never told, you know, police later that it wasn't stolen. It just kinda like went by and they were like, Pull over, hands out and took me out the car, put me in handcuffs, had the guns out on me, and I was scared. <clears throat> and I thought that was so wrong, like I didn't understand. So okay, is, is so the proper way? So yeah, so so it sounds like it sounds like it's a fairly typical way of going about things from a police officer perspective. If you're dealing with a stolen car, mm-hmm. um, so the car has been reported stolen. So 
they say so say technically you are driving even though it's yours technically you are driving a stolen car mm-hmm. from the police perspective so if you happen to drive by and I run your tag and that comes back stolen whoever's I don't know who's driving that car mm-hmm. I just know that that's, that's a stolen car I don't know that it's a registered owner's vehicle or if it's someone who actually stole it mm-hmm. so considering it's a stolen car and people who steal cars or cars that are known to you know carry weapons and be dangerous I'm gonna be as an officer I'm gonna be on high alert when I approach that vehicle it's called you know it's, it's, they call it a felony traffic stop or high risk traffic stop meaning you didn't just run a stop sign you driving a stolen car mm-hmm. so I'm gonna go about my business like it's high risk until it's determined that it's not high risk. So to have you at gunpoint or to even have my gun out is not out of the scope of our training mm-hmm. for that particular situation. To put you in handcuffs, you know, before we find out who you are, it's not out of the scope of our training. Okay. And then once you know, we got everything settled and like I said you could be in the back of the police room because I can always take you out of handcuffs I can always let you out the back right. of the car I can always touch you off apologize explain it to you and respect how you feel about the situation you know and be like well this is what the situation is I don't know who you are mm-hmm. I just know that this car is stolen and um and go from there so based on the information you're telling me it's not necessarily they didn't do anything that they weren't trained to do okay but that also doesn't mean that another officer wouldn't go about it a different way I thought it was because I was black and everything and I was I was really scared I was really really scared and then it happened to me the next day in another state and it was just kind of like uh, okay. what <laughs> So I was just yeah, that, always wondering. I, I just thought they were just doing it because I was black. Pull a gun out. I didn't know that was. No, I mean, like a good, a good way to look at it is like, okay, my car, my car was reported stolen. So imagine if someone actually carjacked you, right? And that person who carjacked you, say, you know, with a knife or gun or just by physical force, was still driving your car. You would hope that the police wouldn't just walk up to them and be like, hey, how's everything going, blah, blah, blah. And he tries to kill them. Mm-hmm. So they're going to try to minimize that. And they don't know that that's, you know, that you're not that person until they feel safe enough to, to you know, to, to oh, I appreciate you, you know, <laughs> to, um, you know, until they feel safe enough to, to be able to be like, okay, now who are you and what's up with this car mm-hmm. so, yeah. so my other question I have a lot of questions but not a lot of questions because I gotta be brief um, well, you can ask as many questions as you want oh, yeah, just, uh, okay. get, get the main ones get the main ones because I'm actually I'm at work so okay. I can talk to you because oh, okay. um, I got my bluetooth on but if uh, you know if I get a call well, I gotta slide out, right? And I slide out, and then if I can jump back on, then you know I jump back on. So, do you guys text and drive? <laughs> that was one of my questions. I mean, well, well, no, y'all don't text and drive. Y'all type on the computer and drive, right? That's not safe. Well, I don't have a computer. A truck. Oh, you don't? Oh, you got a truck? Yeah, well, I got a Tahoe. Okay. Yeah. Oh, right. So, are you like downtown DC? So you're not a part of the protesting and stuff like that going on? You're not on duty for that. 
I, I work overnight, so by the time I come on, generally, I mean, like, I know, like, last night they were still at it. We run with a small crew on, on, on my department, so mm-hmm. we basically stay on the outskirts, so tonight I'm on, uh, I'm out in uh, New Carol, Chicago. Oh, okay. Which is on the outskirts, and I only go downtown if, if, if there's a need, you know, if there's a call for me to go down there. I'm not... I'm not just going to go downtown into the break. Right. Just to go downtown into the break. My department, they're not really having that right now. they like, unless you need to go down there, don't go down there. So I know as a police officer, I know it has to be scary for y'all sometimes walking out that door every single day and you know, not knowing what's going to happen. Like, can you tell me what it's like from, you know, the start of your day and how you get prepared and stuff like that? Yeah, sure. I mean, so... Like I said, I work, I work over the, overnight. So the, the start of my day is the ending of everybody else. You know, I, I, I generally, you know, I, I take my child and get dressed and put all my stuff on and all of that good stuff around 8 o'clock, between 8 and 8.30. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'll, uh, you know, hug and kiss my wife and my youngest daughter goodbye before, you know, before I leave the house. And then I had to work, go to roll call, find all my assignments for the day. And then, you know, whatever my assignment for the day, assignment for the day is, I head to that particular location. Um, from a, I think what, you know, what, to answer your question more in depth, the way people really, you know, the way someone would really want to know is, it's like, how are you mentally prepared mm-hmm. to go into, you know, what it is that you do? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just kind of put the rest to a point where you accept that any day could be your last. Mm-hmm. So you embrace every moment like the next one isn't guaranteed. So you, you don't anticipate necessarily um, some future moment. And you don't get hung up on some past moment. You just embrace the fact that in this particular moment, everything is safe or everything is cool. And when everything isn't cool, you you do whatever you can to make it safe mm-hmm. and cool. It's a bravery thing, but you also realize if you're if you're honest with yourself, you know that there is no bravery without that fit. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're never scared, then you're not brave. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you accept the fear. A part of it is accepting the fear and accept, accepting that I'm fearful of pain. I'm fearful of right. death. But I'm also okay with going forth and facing that fear and doing whatever has to be done and whatever the outcome is, you know, I'm going to do 100% of what I can to make sure that I go home to my family. Mm-hmm. And, and failure isn't an option. So even though that fear is there, I know that I'm going to do whatever has to be done for me to be able to to be successful at, you know, right. at my day. And you just, and you just, you, you just deal with whatever you got to deal with. You come to grips with whatever you got to come to grips with. And it's really no different. I think that people think that because we're police officers, we're different. Mm-hmm. But the same way, you know, I can get shot at today, <laughs> you can get shot at today. The only that's difference true. is I probably got a better chance of winning because I got a gun to shoot back. Right, right. And that's just what it is. Like, I mean, I know police officers are just like we are, but. I don't know. It's something about that badge, man. A lot of people feel like they hide behind that badge. And the fact that there are a lot of racist cops, they get hired. Nobody knows they're racist right away. It's like they just pop out of nowhere, in my opinion. I disagree with that. Really? 
they, they get mean, like, hired being like, racist? Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, the, the only thing that happens is what's on paper, right? True. You know, like, what, the only thing that happens is what's on paper. So, um, where's the body it, cam? Today, society, they don't have um, that. They don't have body cam footage. Well, like, I don't have body cams, but what I'm saying is, is in terms of the hiring process, mm-hmm. oh, it's no right. different than when anybody goes to a job interview. They're going to put their best face forward. But right. we all know that racism exists. If you want to look at it, I personally don't believe that black people can't be racist. You don't believe that can't when, be? when you look at it, I don't believe that black people can be racist. Oh, okay. Like, to me, racism, the idea of racism to me comes with the ability to oppress. Mm-hmm. Now, black people can be prejudiced, which we all are, but <laughs> black people, or well, black people can be racist, but what good is it to be racist for a black person? Like, who are we oppressing? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So what does it matter? Like, right. okay, whatever, cool, but you, you don't have any power, so who cares what you like or don't like? Right, right. But anyway, you know, I, so when you're dealing with humans and you accept that all humans have prejudices and a lot of humans are racist, you already know that, like, you're going to end up hiring some racist people. You don't necessarily know which ones are and which ones aren't right. being genuine or are being disingenuous. You don't know, but you know that at some point down the line, you're going to deal with a racist officer on your department. Now, I'll, I'll add this. I, I look at it like... I look at it like this too. Um, in order to drown out the racist officers, mm-hmm. you have to have more black people willing to come in and be police officers. Okay, true, true. I've noticed you got to join us. I know the city of Atlanta; they have a lot of black police officers. Yeah, a we lot. do too. Hey. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm up here thinking about high pursuits and stuff like that, but you work at night, so you kinda got like the cool night shift. Like would you ever change the day shift to get that action or you you good? I've been on every so we got three shifts. I've been on all of them. I've really? been on evening. I've been on day work, you know, which is like the morning shift, the early in the morning mm-hmm. for the you know, for the afternoon, and now I'm on midnight. So I've worked all three shifts. I got 12 and a half years on. I've been here for mm. almost 13 years. So I, I, I've I'm seasoned. Yeah, you definitely seasoned. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at the half. I'm, I'm like a month or two from the halfway point. So I've seen every shift. And yeah, you're right. Being on the, you know, being on the midnight shift allows me to to experience a way more laid-back approach, uh, less traffic, less people, less foot traffic, um, less interaction, but I also have less backup and a higher probability for getting into something and being by myself while doing it. So I'm on an island. When, When I'm on an island, I'm really on an island. But I also have the ability to control which islands I end up on mm-hmm. more than a lot of other officers on, you know, the evening and the and the and the, and the morning shift. Mm-hmm. So my um my next question: You said you've been on the force about what twelve and a half years. What made you decide to become yep. a police officer? Like, was that always like a dream as a kid, or nah, nah? Because I, I know you rap. Not really. Like, <laughs> of, course, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I rap. I mean, as a as a little little boy. 
I was always into, I was I was always into cars, and you know my parents would buy me little remote control. I had the old police uh, remote control police car, the one with the cord oh that would went to the little uh, store, you know. But so I but I never was that kid or even that young adult who who thought, oh man, I can't wait to be the police. Nah, I, mm-hmm. no, 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 that wasn't me. Um, I mean, I was working at the grocery store, and uh, I mean, my father came home from work one day, and uh, he said, he said something like, "Hey, man, you know this particular police department hiring? I think you should check it out." Really? And my mom's like, "Man, I'm trying, I'm trying to be no police officer? What are you talking about, like, man?" But but I also know that you know, no police officers are homeless. Mm-hmm. All True. of them have transportation. Mm-hmm. They all you know are able to take care of their families and stuff like that and so and I, I know I remember being three or four years old my father told me oh, you're not going into the military so I I was kind of like okay maybe my father's right maybe this is something that I should look into mm-hmm. so I just kind of started you know like okay let me see what happens I'm going to just go one step at a time and before you knew it you know I was getting hired and I was in the academy like okay so <laughs> I guess I'm going to be a police officer now Look at you and, now. <laughs> and here I am 12 years later. But I mean, I've had, you know, I've had some successful moments as a police officer. So I, I can't, I can't knock it. I can't knock it overall. It's been, uh, it's been good for me. I'm proud of you. And I know you too. And you rap. That's the other thing. You were the rapping police officer. I was on the real. What was that? Like? Yeah, I was on the real. That was that was a cool experience. That was that was dope. It was real. Wow. That was the time. You know, that was a that was a like a like a like a real live like out of body experience for me. To have the two. I never really liked the idea of the rapping police officer. <laughs> Why? I mean, it's inspirational, because, because man. Like you're it, cool. You're the cool. Well, I had to accept it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but being, I don't equate. Too like it, it's two different things. Like if I was the, you know, if I was the, 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 the what do they call those people? If I was the landscaper, I wouldn't be the rapping landscaper. I would just be, oh, he raps, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I just, I never wanted to be the rapping police officer. Like this is my, this is my job. Like, this is what I do right, to right, take care right. of my family. Right. Like you know, I could have been the rapping mailman or the rapping janitor or the rapping CEO or the rapping it, it wouldn't have mattered I still would have been rapping about the same stuff right right and but but I had to accept that you know one I had to accept the the, the, the duality of the situation like that's what people were enamored with like mm-hmm. so dude a cop he can act like he can rap rap Oh, okay. Well, if I was just one or the other, that moment wouldn't have happened. Like, okay, he's a rapper. There's, you know, seven million rappers. And, oh, he's a police officer. And there's seven million police officers. But somehow the two opposite poles are combined into one human. And that's what makes people be like, hmm, that's interesting. Well, let's let's have a look at it. That's weird, you know. And so I had to accept that in that, you know, in that moment. But now you got to dance, too. So you'll be the rapping, dancing dance. police officer. Yeah, man. Oh, nah, nah. I dance all the time in the house, you know what I'm saying? But I don't fuck with that now. I'm like, nah. You got- I'm actually trying to work on that. Like, who cares? Like, dancing isn't done to, you know, dancing isn't something you do to make other people happy. Dancing is something you do to make yourself happy. So who cares? Right. <laughs> I can see you doing a cabbage patch real quick. Do the shoe. Shoo. You know, yeah, don't you be know. with them. Yeah, that's funny. I was also wondering, like, do you have an exciting story about one of your pursuits? Look, 
I'm up here thinking about bad boys and all type of stuff. Like, that's what I just keep imagining. Like, he had a gun, he had it up, and then he just, like, pointed it. You got any of those stories? Or, like, some interesting uh-huh. I ain't got nothing. For, I don't have nothing for, like, Mike Lowry and Marcus Burnett, but I'll tell you the story of the one vehicle pursuit that I did get into. Ooh, it's, actually okay, okay. More, it's actually more comedic than than, than action-packed. Okay, okay. But uh, I'll tell, tell you how it went. And this was years ago. I was, uh, I'm a field training officer, so I was training a new officer. And, uh, we were just, you know, we sitting there watching the stop sign. We, I'm just trying to get something so that she can, you know, get used to doing traffic stops and communicating with people and issuing tickets and all of that, all of that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So, my man runs the stop sign. We pull him over like a quarter mile, maybe not even a quarter mile. It's a straight, it's pretty much a straight stretch. We pull him over a little, a little way down the street. And, um... He's driving like an older SUV. And so we, you know, we, we, we approach the car. She explains to him, oh, we pulled you over because you ran the stop sign back there. Um, yeah, he said he didn't see if she asked for like the registration, all of that good stuff. She's on the driver's side, I'm on the passenger side. Uh, he gives up, he, you can tell that, he, that he's irritated that we pulled him over, mm-hmm. but we both cool about it. So we just like, all right, cool. He got an attitude, but you know, I'm, I always let, you know, whoever I'm training decide what, whether they're going to write this person a ticket or not. That way they can get used to making their own decisions. I said, well, you know, what do you want to do? He said, I'm going to write him a ticket. So, okay, she writes him a ticket. We go back up to the car. This is the part where, where it gets interesting. So she's explaining to him, I, I, I'm issuing you a citation for you to stop and stop sign, all of that good jazz. He's like, I'm not signing. In the state of Maryland, if you don't sign the traffic citation, you actually get taken into custody. Like, we're going to arrest you and charge you, really? <laughs> charge you with failure to stop and stop sign. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah, you got to sign it. So he's giving her a hard time. And me, I'm actually just like, okay, let's see how let's see how this whole thing's going to play out. I'm not really saying anything, mm-hmm. but he does have the passenger window down. So I'm hearing and all of that good stuff. What's going on? I'm hearing what's going on. So he's, he's giving her a hard time. So I said, I said, hey, look, my man, listen, this is just a $90 citation, you know. If you want to pay the citation, pay it. If you don't, don't. We don't really care. But what we are telling you is that if you don't sign this citation, we are going to have to physically take you out of your car and arrest you. And that's not what we're trying to do here. We're just trying to get, issue you this simple traffic citation. And while I'm talking, he rolled a window up on <laughs> So I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, all right. Okay. So what I do is, so but he got tinted windows. Mm-hmm. So now I can't see the interaction he's having with, with my partner. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, nah, I can't have that. So just on a whim, I said, I try to, I open it, I, I open the patch of the door. So now I'm standing in between the frame of the car and the door jam. And he said something like, shut my MF and door, you, 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 B-A-N, if you can fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. Right? And then he reaches over and starts trying to close the door with me in the door. So he's hitting me with his door. Right? But I'm patient. And I know this dude probably had, this is a black dude, so I'm like, he probably had a bad day. Like, probably done made him mad. Or he done made her mad. I said, look, bro, stop hitting me with the door. Just sign your ticket and go on about your business. This goes on for 10, 15 seconds. I said, look, man, if you don't sign a citation, we take you to jail. He says, I ain't signing. I said, yo, hook him up. So she says, all right, step out the car. He says, fine, I'll sign it. <laughs> so he signs it. He signs the citation. 
and he kind of like shoves the, the clipboard back at it. She gives him his, his cop. So after he signed a ticket and we were walking back to our, uh, our vehicle, I didn't shut his passenger door. So he cuts his feet out and tells me to shut his door. But I already know that he can reach over and shut the door himself because he's already grabbed the handle, hit right. me with the door. Right. Right? So, I, you know, me, I, I was like, shut that joint yourself. <laughs> but I, I was, I gave some four-letter words in the mix. <laughs> right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm impatient with this dude. Right. And he's going to talk to me multiple times. I still ain't taking a deal. Like, you shut your own door, yeah? So, <laughs> so we walk back to the cruiser. He gets out the truck. And at the time, I'm not really thinking, like, why is he getting out the truck? I'm just assuming he's getting out the truck to shut his door. But as he comes to the back of his truck, I realize, like, oh, he's not coming. He's not going around to shut his door. He's coming to approach me. Mm. He wants some smoke. Mm. So as he walk up to me, he's cussing me out. He's going on my pepper spray. <laughs> what? So that pepper spray hit him. He turns around and runs back to his truck. So now I'm like, oh, I got to arrest him because if he drives off with the pepper spray in his eyes and hits something, yeah. then that's on me because right. I pepper sprayed him. You right. see what I'm saying? So we run up to the car and try to yank him out the truck. And while we're trying to yank him out the truck, he put the joint in drive and pull off. Well, let's hold it on to him. What? So essentially, he trying to drag us. We let go and tumble over a little bit, run back to the car, run back to the cruiser, and we end up in this vehicle pursuit for maybe like a mile or two. And I guess that's when the pepper spray kind of set in on him because he pulled over and he got out. Start running. I run up behind him. You know how like if you walk in and your friend behind you and they kick the, your back leg to kind of make you trip and fall? Yeah, yeah. I did that to him. <laughs> I did that to him. And then, and then we squared up and I pepper sprayed him again. Right after I pepper sprayed him, my partner jumped on his back. And then I slammed him to the ground. And, you know, I hooked, I hooked him up. I put him in handcuffs. And a bunch of other police officers showed up. But all of this was all over the radio. But that's my one super crazy police pursuit. Man. Pepper spray. Getting, getting assaulted. This was stuck, but I'm still patient. That I, I also played a small role that, you know, it could have been avoided because I could have just shut his door. But <laughs> I was a little bit young man and felt disrespected. I felt, I, I rightly felt disrespected, but I could have been the right. biggest person to shut the man's door and roll out and been right. like, all right, he signed the ticket, let's roll. But we're all human. We make mistakes and stuff right. like that. So, wow, yeah, man. That's the one I get. That's the one I always tell when people be like, yo, what's the, what's, tell me, tell me a story. That's the one I, I know, get. Right? But I've seen some crazy stuff. Has there been um, any stories? I know you don't probably don't want to share a lot, but any stories that kind of just like broke your heart a little bit? You went home, just kept thinking about it over and over. Like you don't have to give details or anything, but has there been any stories like that? Um. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. 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 You have certain things. Certain things stay with you forever. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's uh, you know you just kind of cope with them the same way everyone else copes with things that they say. Mm-hmm. Some days they're really, really small and they seem non-existent, you know, in your in your memory or in your being. And then other times you'll see something or you'll see someone that reminds you of that and then you kind of deal with those emotions as they come. So when you mm-hmm. see, you know, something like a young person who couldn't deal with life anymore or you see something tragic happen to people, you know, 
all of that stuff kind of sticks with you and it but it it, it, it hardens you a little bit. It it, it, it it hardens you because you know you have to go out and do the job again tomorrow. Right. And you can't carry it on the forefront of your mind and your heart at all times. That's that's why that's one of the reasons cops have a dark sense of humor is because it's a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. So we'll turn, you know, something that's not funny into humor. It's laughing to keep from crying. That's all it really is. Mm-hmm. So do you guys really like donuts? <laughs> do we like donuts? Um, yeah, I do. I don't <laughs> eat them, but I, but I like them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I like the... Uh, you know, earlier in my career, you know, I do a lot of running now, so I don't. I, and I do eat fat. I'm a factor. Mm. But um, earlier in my career, I used to have this little game. I used to go get the white powder donuts and see how many of them I could eat. How much powder I could not get on my uniform. Mm, 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 mm. You know, what I'm I don't know so, why they always do the police like, like donuts. <laughs> always the two that. Go I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I don't, I don't know where that came from, but I mean, but you know, like, uh, police officers, I would assume that because police officers are into coffee, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, coffee and donuts kind of go together. Mm-hmm. So you go to Dunkin' Donuts, they give you free coffee, you get a donut or two, and then over the years, I guess it just became something that, um, like a stereotype. Mm-hmm. Definitely is. Uh, a truthful stereotype. I was going to ask you to rap, actually. <laughs> You gonna ask me what? To rap? <laughs> oh no, nah, I ain't rap. I can't rap right like that. Nah, nah, you, you can't. gotta go listen to me. Like, yeah. I, nah, I can't. 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 I I haven't rapped in a really long time. What? In terms of, in terms of legit, like, I'm about to sit down and I'm really going to write big songs and really focus on it because once my youngest, you know, daughter was born, mm-hmm. uh, it became so difficult to be, to, to, to actually make music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, working and all of that good stuff, it became time consuming. So now, I actually... I've been thinking about doing something like a, uh, I don't want to call it a podcast, but um, you could call it a podcast, or like, you know those videos where philosophers can talk over real laid-back music mm-hmm. and break down human consciousness and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. I'm into, I'm into that aspect of life now, like, who, like, who is it that uses, who is the person within this body that uses the eyes and ears, ears the thoughts of the mind? Mm-hmm. Who is that? Who, who is that? Who, who is that person? Whatever. That's what I'm into now. But, I got a question, I got a proposal for you. I wanted, I wanted to get your opinion on something as far as the whole criminal justice system. You can tell me what your opinion is on something. Okay, okay. <laughs> I get nervous okay. when asking questions. I get nervous. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's all good. So let me ask you this: Do you do do you you can answer for yourself and you can answer for the general public? Do you think that the criminal justice system should be equal across the board? Um, equal as far as race? Equal, equal in terms of you could say race, you could say sex, you could say anything other than age, because I think we all agree that kids. 
shouldn't be treated with the same, right? You know, system as adults unless they, I guess, you know, commit a crime that is so heinous or egregious that they're charged as an adult. But do you think that the criminal justice process should be equal for everyone? Um. Yes, I do think it should be equal to everyone. And I'm going to speak for myself. I believe that because, um, like, a murder is a murder. A crime uh-huh. is a crime. And it shouldn't matter uh-huh. what your gender or race is. Like, you have to pay the price for what you did. You have to pay the consequences. And that's just that. Is this a tricky question? Nah, it's not. Oh, okay. it's not it, I mean, well, it, uh, I, I, let me put it to you like this. It is a tricky question because... I know that I know that the answer to the question in general is yes, well, it should be equal. <laughs> and because I, I think that it should be equal, but I also know that if it were equal, then in order for the criminal justice system to be equal, this is what has this is what has to happen. I'm gonna tell you what has to happen, and I'm gonna tell you the consequences and repercussions of that happening. Mm-hmm. In order for the criminal justice system to be equal, you have to remove all discretion from the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. Meaning, no one within the pipeline, no one within the prosecutorial pipeline has discretion. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, what that means, and we'll use a simple crime like shoplifting. Shoplifting is a good example. If you catch someone shoplifting, if I as an officer have someone who has been, who has shoplifted, right now I have a few different options that I can do to deal with this particular situation. Mm-hmm. I can play like mediator between the, the shoplifter and whoever he stole from. I may be able to write him some type of warning. I may be able to give him a citation. Or I may be able to take him to jail. All of those options are there, right? And I'm the one who chooses, which means that my biases can and will dictate what happens. Mm-hmm. Well, if you make it a law and you say, look, you don't have a choice as an officer. If you if someone is shoplifting, they go to jail. We don't care what their excuse is. We don't care, you know, if they are a brain surgeon who saved someone's life earlier today. He's told, so he's going to jail. But you also have to look at it and say, we don't care that this is a single mother with four kids and no job, and she's just trying to feed her kids. She's shoplifted, and she's going to jail. That's equal. Okay, now I But you're taking the human element out of it. Right, right, right. But that's equal. Right. Right? Yeah. So, and if you follow it on up the line, you would say as a possible prosecutor do it, they pick and choose which cases they're going to prosecute. You would say you no longer get the choice. You no longer get the choice of picking which cases you prosecute. You're going to prosecute all of them mm-hmm. because that's what's equal. He was charged with this. He's a black guy. He was charged with it. He's a white guy. He was charged with it. You don't get to drop the case for the white guy and then charge the black guy. No, you're going to charge both of them or you're going to let both of them go. Nah. And you can't let both of them go because right. then you got to let everybody go. Right. That's or please do. Right? Mm-hmm. You can't say, well, I'm going to let him, you know, I'm going to offer him a great plea deal and offer him a bad plea deal. But why would you do that? Why wouldn't everybody get the same plea deal? Mm-hmm. Or why wouldn't every, from a judge's perspective, you know, we let judges sentence within a window. Uh, you know, 10 to 15, and one guy gets 10, and the other guy gets 15. No, 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 no. The crime, the, the punishment for shoplifting is 
five months in jail. So we don't care what your situation was. We don't need your attorney to tell us how great of a person you are. Because the law says, if you're convicted of this, this is the outcome. That's equal. So now everybody is shotless, regardless of who they are or what they look like, they go to jail for, I mean, you know, they, they go to jail for five months or whatever, the, you know, whatever the, the, the penalty is. Right. That's equal. But then, like I said, you have to think about the fact that there will be no human element to it. And that's kind of heartbreaking. That's, yeah, it is. That's that's kind of scary. And then it's like, no, that's not fair. But right. we want it to be equal. That right. is, see, that equal was a tricky question. Fair. See? Yeah. It is, it is a tricky question. <laughs> Because I was like, yeah, because a murder is a murder. Yeah, when you break it down like that, then it's like, I, I want a choice. Right. Yeah. All right, cool. So, okay. The question was, have you ever witnessed police abuse their power or misconduct? Um, I've seen, I've seen officers do things that I disagree with. Mm-hmm. I've seen officers, I, I don't, I, I, I've seen officers abuse their power. Um, and, but an abuse of power doesn't necessarily mean that it's misconduct. Mm-hmm. Meaning that, um, how would I explain this? Like, I've seen officers do things and talk to people and react in a way that I personally disagree with, mm-hmm. but wasn't always, but it wasn't necessarily outside of the scope of their right to do so. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's the gray area. I've also seen, I've, there's been times where I've seen officers do things and I'm like, yo, like, you gotta stop now. It's over. Mm-hmm. You know? And like I said, so I'll give you a hypothetical situation. Say there's a scene where two officers have this person under arrest mm-hmm. and he's already in handcuffs. And a bunch of his friends and family have pulled up. And it's like mayhem. Mm-hmm. And I'm the guy coming to do the transport. The first thing I say is, like, yo, is he going to jail? If they say, yeah, I say, yo, put him in the truck. Mm-hmm. That's all. Let's end it. Because the quicker we part from this situation, geographically, mm-hmm. and do what it is we actually are here to do, the less the chance of things going downhill. Right. Now, I've also, in full disclosure, I've been the officer who had another officer stop me from doing something that I shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Because I got caught up in my emotions. I'll tell you that story in full because I remember it very well. I was a, I was a fairly new officer, maybe like a year under the apartment. And I was working in the, um, in the not black part of town. Right? Mm-hmm. And, um... Call was for a guy who was trying to climb a fence on down to the highway. He was a, this is a drunk white dude, right? And so I get there, and um, you know, I, I walk him back up the hill, and it probably was, you know, I ended up putting him in cuffs because in Virginia it's against the law to be drunk in public and cutting up and acting disorderly and all of that stuff. I'm like, okay, well, it's obvious he's going to jail for the day. Mm-hmm. And, um, I got him to the car and I was searching him and another officer showed up it's actually a white officer he got some time on he probably been here at this point probably like 15, 16, 17 years something like that 
And um, I don't know. Maybe it was about the the twelfth or thirteenth time that he called me a nigger. What? Yeah, that I I guess I had I guess I had enough. Yeah. And so I grabbed his head. I, I like I like grabbed his head, his face. So like when you're searching somebody, you always want their head to look away from you because you don't want them to spit on you or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. And he's in my face with all of these, you know, slurs. And I grabbed his head and the other officer knew what I was about to do. He knew I was about to do something that I shouldn't do with this dude's head. And he grabbed my arm, he was like, yo, buddy, take a walk. <laughs> so I took a walk. And then later on, you know, after he was finished doing what, you know, had to be done, finished searching the guy, put him in the cooler. He told me, he was like, look, you know, you can't let your emotions dictate your actions out here. Mm-hmm. He said, I understand, you know, dudes being real disrespectful. I know you're a man. And, and you're not going to be too many of those and what he was calling you and all of that good stuff. He's like, but uh, you know, what you was about to do, you know, man to man, I'll let you do it. I don't really care. Right. But as an officer, you know, that can't happen. And it's a lot of those people out here, and that's not going to go in your face. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I told him, I was like, yeah, you're right. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate it. And that's really what is supposed to happen in the police world. When you see somebody who's caught up in another officer who's caught up in their emotion mm-hmm. and going too far, mm-hmm. you're supposed to be like, yo, yo, chill, yo, take a walk. I got it. Relax. Time to let it go, baby. So, so then we're having this conversation because of what happened to uh, Floyd. Mm-hmm. Amongst you know, other people also, um, Breonna Taylor was a big issue as well for... Um, police officers that are not in uniform to come in our house, and yeah, that was that, that whole joint was just crazy, right? That was yeah, and they had the wrong house. Yeah, and they had the wrong, and then they arrested her boyfriend. Yeah, and that's and, and charged him with attempted murder for right. shooting the officer in the leg. But I then heard that the the um that came from another officer. And charges were dropped. Oh, is that what they said? Is that is that what they said happened? That that, that yeah, because they shot from the outside shot her that window the too. That actually was was friendly fire. Yeah, but they shot from outside her window, so it was shooting inside and outside. Wow. So it's like I don't I don't know. Like things are crazy. Um, one of the officers in Minnesota also he was a, a Muslim officer. He accidentally shot an older lady, and he got twelve years, just like that. But it's just like now they're not they say they arrested the person that killed George Floyd. But I was like, well, what jail did he go to? Because they burned the jail down. So I'm just trying to figure out where he at. How come we didn't see it on oh, video? Yeah. How come the world don't we're know? We're not going to tell you where he at. We're not, we're, we're not going to find out where he at. Next time you see him, he'll be in a court. He'll be in a court. So do the police have like a brotherhood? Like y'all kind of like don't tell certain stuff like y'all protect each other or something like that because I, I was wondering like where were the black cops you know for this why did they just put Caucasian cops on, on this particular what is it case job or something I don't know which word you guys use for it but where were the black officers 
were, were the black officers you mean like on that particular on, yeah. on that particular incident yeah or like did they go back I to the precinct and be like yo man you messed up man like I just always wondered that like do they get on the people when they you know like how is it is it the brotherhood y'all just don't say nothing or I mean I guess nah, I, nah, nah, I mean like no, it's, it's, it's like a family like it's no different than it's no different than a family so like you have to realize like right now I am where I am mm-hmm. right there's no other officers here with me mm-hmm. okay so if another officer three miles down the road does something I'm not there right so so and, and, and I think people want like some really in-depth look into where was this where were the other officers were the other officers where were they were supposed to be at the time when it happened you know what I'm saying so um I can't tell you where a particular group of officers were when something happened but if you think about it you know one way like maybe sometimes things happen when those particular officers aren't around because those officers are not around <laughs> in the same in the same way criminals commit crimes right. of opportunity criminals commit crimes of opportunity like oh the police not here so right. if I just if I just left from a spot uh, it's probably a prime time for the criminal to do what he do like oh, you know that officer just left so I know he's not here so you know if you're not dead you're not dead and that doesn't mean that after we, you know, after seeing, we don't always see the video. Like, there's not always video, and we don't always see mm-hmm. the video. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, if we see the video from uh, an officer that we know personally, we're probably going to go to that officer and be like, yo, what happened? Because that joint looks bad, man. Like, I'm telling you, dog, it looks bad. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have that conversation and we'll analyze it with that person and be like, well, why didn't you do this? Yo, man, you need to chill out. You got to relax. I've had that conversation with us. Like, yo, you, you did, you're disrespectful to people. Stop being disrespectful to people. Like, mm-hmm. if you're always arguing and always fighting with people, then you're the common denominator to these arguments and fights. Mm-hmm. You need to check yourself. Relax. It's cool. Stop taking everything so personal. It's not serious. Mm-hmm. You know, but th- those opportunities aren't there the way the general public thinks they are. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't tell you anything about an officer that I don't know. All I can do is watch the same video you watch and right. analyze it. Right. I can analyze that video from a from a bit of a different perspective than you can. Mm-hmm. But I can't go to him and be like, "Yo, tell me what happened." He, he doesn't even know me. He's not gonna have. He's not gonna have that conversation with you. Mm-hmm. See, you and I don't have that access. You make it sound so like easy, and everyone else is so hard. They're, they're so angry. They don't trust cops. They don't want to talk to cops. But just having this conversation, it it puts me at ease so I could, you know, better understand where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I think, I think the human intellect is the gift and the curse of being human. I think that we want to be entertained and we want things to make sense to us. Mm-hmm. When in actuality, life for every other being on this planet is really simple. We make things difficult. Mm-hmm. When you simplify it and you speak directly, 
and it's it really simple. You did this. I didn't like it. I know you. I saw the video. Can you tell me what, what you were thinking, please? Because from what I saw on now, I'm not just assuming that your actions were wrong, depending on the situation. Sometimes we see videos and we're like, yo, that joke was yo, what, what was you doing? That was right, bad. Right. But then other times, I don't know what led up to that because the video doesn't always start at the beginning. So I'm trying to get the backstory. How did you get to this point? Mm. Please enlighten me. Because from what I saw in the video, it looks really bad, bro. Definitely. And it's a, a lot of um, videos being recorded. They have a, a site on Instagram, Always Film Police. I started following it and I've seen some stuff. Like, I've seen them arrest a young man, black, for not having a bell on his bike. Now, you did say sometimes you guys could pick and choose what you want to do with the suspects and stuff like that. Like, I'm, I couldn't figure out why. Except for him being black. They was like, yeah, you need a bell on your bike, man. And took him to jail. I'm like, well, did they, you know, get his name, information, and then found out he had warrants or something like that and didn't want to take him in? Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like some police actually do pick black people for real. Just because. Hey, it's a group of guys over there. Let's get one. I'll let you in on a little secret, okay? There are police officers who target black people right mm-hmm. but there's a fine line between a cop and a criminal right mm-hmm. cops know how to approach a situation in a way that can allow you to target someone while using law as a shield so they trick you, you. Mm-hmm. right so it's no different than a criminal who knows the law and knows how to I don't want to commit an act, but it would be like me being a criminal and I know the law. Mm-hmm. And because I know the law, I'm going to do this act. Mm-hmm. And I know that based on the law, the way the law is written, this act is not a crime, although it's immoral. Right? Mm-hmm. Same thing with same thing with a cop. I know that there's a law on the book that says you must this is crazy. <laughs> but you must have a bell on your bike. But you also look suspicious to me. You just look suspicious. Mm-hmm. I don't really care about the bell on your bike. Who cares? Right? Mm-hmm. But technically, you are breaking the law by not having a bell on your bike. I'm going to tell you that I'm stopping you because you don't have a bell on your bike. But in actuality, I don't care about the bell on your bike. I'm trying to find out if you are a drug dealer or if you are a robbery suspect or if whatever the, like what, whatever my end game is. I don't care about the bell on your bike, buddy. But I'm not necessarily going to tell you that. And that's something that, that's a way that the system is set up to allow police officers to do, to target people. Oh, with petty stuff and I don't you know I personally I don't like it but I know it. I know I know how to do it I know it can be done I've been here long enough to know that okay that's how it's done so I know when someone is being targeted for something other than what you're stopping them for mm-hmm. and then you have some officers who are just petty and really care about I got a bell on my bike so <laughs> you gotta have a bell on your bike these officers I've seen were in the car <laughs> Again. They were in the car and seeing the guy. I was like, "Yeah, you don't have a bell on your bike," and just pretty much arrested him. Yeah, not having a bell, and wouldn't even let him yeah. take let his friends take the bike to the friend's house. They were trying to take the bike with them, like <laughs> as proof or something. It was just so crazy. I've seen so many well, videos. I, I had to take a break. I think one one of the things I learned is that 
people respect honesty. Mm-hmm. And so I I try to be as forthcoming as possible with people. And I play by the rules. So if I'm stopping you because I think you match up for a robbery suspect, I'm not talking about the bell on your bike. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you straight up, hey, yo, I need to talk to you because you match to look out for a robbery suspect. That may not always be the smartest way to do it because then he may know, like, if he is a robbery suspect, he may run. But he was going to run anyway, right? Right, right. So we might as well just go ahead and cut all the BS and just get to what it is that we're going to get to. Mm-hmm. But people have, you know, I, I personally believe the humans have a fear of the unknown. And the more that you make known to them, the more relaxed they become. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying they become more happy. Right, right, right. But they become more relaxed into the situation. You are being stopped because of A through D. This is why we're here. Right. That's the main oh, question okay. they want to know. The main thing they want That's to know. That's the main question they want to know. Why, why are you stopping me? I'm stopping you because of this. And when you answer that question, it leads to another question. But at least now we're having an actual dialogue about right. why we're both here. Instead of me being all secretive, like, I got you in cuffs and you're sitting down and you wondering, like, am I going to jail for the rest of my life? Or, right, right. Or are they just kicking on me? Like, that's a big gap. So, yeah. What is your solution? To what, 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 is, what is your solution to uh, the problems overall between the police and the black community? What, what do you think needs to happen? Well, okay. If everybody were as patient as you are and able to just be upfront with certain things and talk to some people and let them know everything I think things would be so much easier and they don't necessarily have to be crazy and beat people up and and all that like I really feel like these white cops actually just pick on black people for no reason no reason at all just walking down the street like you said, you look like somebody. They don't They don't really just explain everything. They just kind of say, you look like somebody, whatever. And next thing you know, they're in handcuffs. They don't explain. And it just gets crazy. And that person could end up dead because they made a wrong move. Yeah. I, I feel like they should, they should communicate better. There has to be some line of communication. Be upfront. Be real. Have patience. Like you, like you said, have patience. And some of these people are, they're, they're, they take out their frustration on other people. Don't bring that to work. Yeah. I mean, I think, I agree with you. I think that, I think that a big problem is that you have, um, you have police officers policing people that they aren't, they don't consider to be their peers. You know, we can all, like, if we're, if we're all being honest, we know that generally white people in America look down on black people. Absolutely. But way more police officers are white than black. So you're already dealing with someone who is, who, who possesses more power within, you know, the American structure. Yeah, with that white privilege. <laughs> yeah, and, and they have privilege. And a lot of them haven't really interacted with black people in real life. They've only interacted with black people in their mind, which is we've been portrayed as on television. Yeah, which is sickening. And I, I, I honestly feel like um, this may be crazy, but I feel like when the white police officers do kind of like arrest black people, majority of them are darker skin than the norm. They're, they're all dark. You rarely see light-skinned people 
pretty much getting beat up or you know something happening to them like that it's, it's a lot of the dark 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 skinned ones and that's sad that's sad I never really thought about that I never really analyzed that in my mind I watched um, you know in DC we got all different shades of black and brown people um but I mean, dark skinned people have a generally have a harder way to go in America anyway, right? And that's so that sad. makes sense. Like, you know. Because I could be somewhere shopping in a store and a white person approached me and like, hey, how are you? Are you great? I'm good. But someone darker than me that might come in with a scarf on our head looking crazy, they look at them and treat them totally different. And I'm like, okay, so. Is it a certain way I have to dress, you know, for them to actually want to talk to me, interact with me? Like, what, what is it? Like, why do you hate darker people? I'm accepted. I'm the brown paper bag person, but they're not. That's not fair. That's not fair at all. Even at a place where they just pick. Yeah. Even with acting, I'm an actress and, um... People, my, I'm not like super duper light skin, but I'm like a, a brown skin. People, my complexion, we kind of have to um, have this certain look. They want us to look almost mixed, and I'm like, right. I like weave, weave. Like I don't want to be looking almost mixed, but okay, if it gets me to roll, I'm, I'm gonna have to try, you know. And it's sad that I, I may have done that, but I don't want to. Like I want to be me. Like I don't want to. I mean, I know I can. It's the role, but I don't want to have to look mixed though. Like. No. Right. Well, I mean, you know, black people in America, we we all tiptoe our lives. You know, we all we are all doing some balancing act within whatever field they were in that no other race has to do. But why? Right. I, I just want to know why. Like, and I feel like some white people get mad because we are always complaining about it. Some people are like it's the past, like you know, get over it. No, we can't. We can't. We we need things to be fixed. This, this is going on way too long. I like white people. I honestly do. They're fun. They're funny to watch. Some of the stuff they say is funny. They crack me up. They have some of the corniest jokes I've ever heard, and I get a kick out of it. But you know what? Some are that some are really really nice, and they give you anything you want. Like, here, take it all. I don't need it. Yeah, you're quick. Yeah. Those are the ones that I actually, like, and I noticed a lot of, well, not a lot, but most white people that I like that are like that, they don't have colored eyes. They have dark colored eyes. Ain't that crazy? Who thinks of stuff like that? They don't have, oh, that's interesting. they don't have no, no colored eyes. They're dark colored eyes. And I'm like, they just like me, man. They black. <laughs> they don't got colored eyes. I never thought of that. It just always happens that way. Them blue-eyed devils, man. <laughs> so, um, what are some of the things that we could probably do to stop police brutality? What can be done? Stop it. Hold on, hold on. You said, what are some of the things that... Well, yeah, what can I didn't be hear, I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. What can be done to stop police brutality in America? What can be done to stop police brutality? Mm-hmm. Um... Oh man, so many things. First of all, I think that there needs to be better uh, communication training mm-hmm. because generally, when you have these, when you're interacting with law enforcement, normally there's some conversation that occurs 
before mm-hmm. the brutality begins. You know, like, as bad as things are, you generally don't see a situation where the police just walk up and start beating somebody, right? There's normally some interaction that occurs prior to yeah. the brutality aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the better that the police can't communicate, the better off that situation will be. Mm-hmm. And that may mean instead of rushing to put somebody in handcuffs, you may have to take the time to be patient and explain to them the whole situation and why it is the way it is that this particular situation is playing out the way it is. And you can also explain to them the details of what's going to happen when they are no longer in your custody. Mm-hmm. You know, because when you take someone to jail, the first thing that the mind does is you think you're going to be in jail for the rest of your life. Right. And if I can assure you that based on the reason that I'm stopping you, that's not the case, I'm already, like, quelling your fears. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you're not going to jail, (laughs) but it does mean that you'll probably be out within the next 24 to 36 hours. Right. So instead of you looking at this as something that's going to ruin your life, let's look at this as something that's going to be a minor inconvenience for the next 24 hours. And I will do whatever I can to make the next 24 to 36 hours of your life as easy as possible other than not doing my job. Mm -hmm. So if that means you would like for me to call your mother and let her know what's going on or your wife or your brother or whoever it is you want to know where you are and what's going on with you and where you're going to be, I'll do all of that for you. Mm -hmm. But you have to make this easy for me so that I can make this easy for you. But based on the law and the situation we have at hand, this is what has to happen. This is what is going to happen. I would like for this to happen as peacefully as possible. Can we work together on that? See, you make it sound so... I want to get arrested now because <laughs> no, 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 I don't, I don't. No, it ain't that, it ain't that bad, but you know, but that generally helps people be like, okay, listen, I'm still angry about this, but as you know, as long as you keep your word to me, officer, and we'll be cool. All right, cool. Do me a favor. I need you to turn around put these handcuffs on you, hold your hands like this so that, because I'm telling you now, if I put them this way, it's going to hurt your wrist. If I put them this way, it's not going to hurt as much. Okay, cool. I put the handcuffs on you, I put you in the car, I turn the heat of the air on. What kind of music do you like to listen to on the way to get out? <laughs> and we can talk, because at the end of the day, we're still just two humans that's, that's joined at the hip for the moment. So I'm like, yo, you got kids? Yeah, I got kids. So, your wife mad at you? Yeah, my wife mad at me too. I know how I do sometimes. So, has any anyone ever came back to you that you may have put in handcuffs and was like, "Hey, man, that's a guy that arrested me. Hey, how you doing, man?" Or like anyone came back happy, mad, whatever the case, did they recognize you? I've had people come back to me. You know what I'm saying? They be like, "What up, Officer Bradley? You know what I'm saying? Everything, everything cool." I be like, "Yeah, everything good, man. You know, good to see you. Staying out of trouble? Yeah, I'm staying oh, out of okay. trouble. What's been up with you? You know, I mean, people, people, people. I tell you what happens a lot. It is people after when the when the when the when the 
highly emotional interaction is over mm-hmm. and I don't know if the adrenaline dump is over or whatever and they become you know rational again they're all generally just normal good people who made a mistake pretty much that's all and then like I've had people who after I pepper sprayed after I pepper sprayed them and got this water and they be like I apologize man I don't know what I was thinking I'd be like, yeah, I was trying to tell you, like, bro, like, I'm not even trying to take you to jail right now. I'm just trying to give you a ticket. Right. Mm-hmm. So have you ever shot anybody? That's the big question. <laughs> or taser? Yeah, have ever used a taser? Yeah, or, or shot anyone? I've never shot. I've never, I've never shot anyone. And I've only had my taser for a year. And because I've been doing this for so long, um, Without a taser, I'm not really comfortable with it. Why not? You like the gun better? Um, no, not my gun. I, I like I like my pepper spray better. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's easier. People um, stay alive. People stay alive. They stay alive, and once, because you know, with pepper spray, you can't see. Right. So once once you can't see, then. There is not necessarily a rush for me to put my hands on you. Mm-hmm. So, as, as long as there's no, um, you know, immediate danger, if I pepper spray you and you're sitting there and you're still going off, I, I can just sit there and let you go off and give you instructions as to what it is I want you to do until you do what it is I need you to do. I don't have to come in and, and slam you on the ground and beat you up. No, you can't see. So we could do this for a real long time because I can see it. You can't. <laughs> and then I'll say, yo, listen, put your hands behind your back. Put your hands behind your back and I will get you the water to wash the, the pepper out your eyes. But until you put your hands behind your back, you just won't be able to see. Nothing personal. We just doing what has to be done at this particular point in time. And I'm trying to do it in a way as humane as possible because I don't want to be out here fighting with you tussling on the ground I ain't, I don't want to fight either I didn't wake up this morning hoping to get into a fight right right see you you a good officer man and it's so hard for good officers because the bad ones make it hard bad ones make it isn't hard isn't that life though yeah just like Is some how we kind of view things some black people make it hard for all black people especially right now with these riots going on tearing yeah. up the stores and then you got the, some black people like why are you tearing up the store? The other one was like, we need to tear it up because we just want to tear it up. We don't care. This is for George. I don't think George would want that. Yeah. I mean, I think when it comes to, I, I, I feel like there's a difference in people who protest and people who loot and people who riot. Mm-hmm. But they kind of all get lumped in together. Yep. But I think all of it is just the, it's, it's the powerless it's the powerless way, powerless, powerless people's way of getting back at a system that oppresses them. Uh-huh. So their actions may be illogical, but they are reasonable based on their emotions about not having any power. Uh-huh. So it might not make sense for it. It may not make it, it. It doesn't make sense to say I'm mad at the police, so I'm going to loot this business. Because what does that business have to do with the police? Nothing. They're two separate right. entities, right? Uh-huh. But your frustration can't be taken out on the police, really. Uh-huh. Not the way you want to. So you look at 
the establishment as everything that is not you. I'm not a business owner. I'm not a millionaire. I'm not a billionaire. I'm poor and everything else is not me. That's the establishment. Mm -hmm. So since I can't take it out on that part of the establishment, I'm going to take it out on this other part of the establishment. But if we would all, if we could just sit down and actually communicate, and when I say communicate, I don't, I mean like, I talk, you listen, Mm -hmm. you make an attempt to see my point of view. Mm Mm-hmm. You can agree or disagree, but you you understand my perspective. Right. And then you respond and I do the same. Now we're communicating mm-hmm. instead of I'm yelling at you, you're yelling at me. And it's like, well, is anybody listening? Yep. And that's what we need to do. There needs to be one big meeting. Right. So they could get to hear the people and the people can hear them. Because yeah. we don't, honestly, when when we mad and, and we feel like we about to go to jail we don't care like we walking towards the police sometimes and sometimes that's a no no not everybody knows that and then that's when the guns come out and that's when the tasers come out and the next thing you know pal you done cause you coming too close and the police officer doesn't feel safe and we hear that a lot they say they feel threatened and stuff like that now sometimes we don't believe it but for real for real I'm sure y'all be scared cause y'all don't know what them people gonna do so. sometimes, it, sometimes, you, sometimes you're legit fearful sometimes you're not Mm-hmm. You know, but I do think that some officers have used that I feared for my life as a way to do things that should not have been done. It's true. And they tainted, they tainted that because mm-hmm. police officers get, you know, as officers, we get leeway when things like that happen because of the job that we're tasked with. Mm-hmm. So you're always going to, you know, not, you know, police officers are always going to have that leeway. They're always going to have that, that I was in fear for my life. They're always going to be able to say that. And that's not something that anyone can prove or disprove whether or not I was scared. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? It, it can't be proven. Either you believe me or you don't. Right. But I've seen some videos where it's blatantly obvious where even if you did fear for your life, you shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't have to do that. And that's where... I think that police officers become, you know, we can become police officers and forget that we can still use our common sense. Mm-hmm. We were in a rush to end the situation when the situation ended in the current moment. No one has to die here. We can right. do this for four hours if need be. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do this for four hours, but if sitting here for four hours is what's going to keep you alive and me alive, then maybe we should just sit here for four hours. You a good cop, man. I'm telling you. I'll be like, okay, 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 I'm calm, okay, thank you, officer. <laughs> you you make it sound so easy, man. Can you teach the rest of these cops for real? Like, teach them something. Can I teach them? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm for real. I, I, you know, I, I think it as it comes. If someone asks me a question, I, I generally don't have a problem answering it. You know, if someone wants my advice, I, I'm more than open to giving my advice, but... I, like I said, I I think a lot of the problems we have with policing and the community and humans in general come from within ourselves. So, you know, instead of instead of looking at a police officer and saying, we need you to learn how to communicate better and be more patient, you have to look at that person as a human and teach outside of policing. Like, maybe he's just an impatient person. Maybe he's right. impatient with his wife, too. Right. So maybe you need to just go to counseling and not even talk about being a police officer. Maybe you need to go learn how to communicate better, just so, in general. Yeah, but what about for us? We Do we have to have certain knowledge of what to say and do for police officers? Like, do we need training also? Do we have to have our information taped on our window all the time? Like, is that going to make it easier for some people? Like, what can we do? I think that 
it will behoove every American citizen to familiarize themselves with police tactics as mm-hmm. much as possible. Mm-hmm. That could be asking a police friend, going to a police station and just asking general questions. Mm-hmm. Um, ask hypotheticals. Um, you know, I think there can be a situation where you, where the police can let you know, citizens come and do certain police training. Mm-hmm. You can put your citizens in the police officer's shoes so they can see what it feels like in the moment. Mm-hmm. And then they'll know, like, okay, so now I see why you're shining the light off right in my face at 12 at night on this traffic stop. Whereas if before, I would just thought you may have been picking on me with right. the light. Mm-hmm. Oh, now I really see, like, oh, you could hide a gun in between under your seat mm-hmm. and I did get shot with the nurse gun when I did that and I personally think that in high school like it should actually be a how to interact with the police class yeah taught by police officers I agree good police officers though but I definitely mm-hmm. agree it should be good police officers that teach the class because we don't uh, want you might to- need a bad one too nah man <laughs> I'm gonna tell you why because because there's no guarantee that your interaction with the police is going to be with the good one. True, true, true. So you may want one who disagrees with my position. You want me in there who's the patient one. You may want to get another officer who's like, listen, I'm the police. You do what I tell you to do. And if you don't do it, then this is going to happen. You may want him so that you know that when that when you come across that type of officer, you're going to, okay, it, I already know. Like, There's no point in me trying to discuss this with you. What do you want? Whereas if with me, you may say, okay officer you seem pretty logical right. and I'm not trying to disrespect your authority but I genuinely don't understand what is going on can you explain this to me and I'll be like sure officer Bradley I really appreciate you talking to me and, and helping me better understand what it's like being a police officer I really appreciate that no I, I learned some stuff I'm looking forward to um a, a training class for real so I can understand well, if you ever got a question, you know where to find me. I do. In the DMV. <laughs> In the DMV, yep. Is there anybody you want to shout out or anything? Leave your Instagram, where to follow you at. You don't want nobody to follow you because you're an officer. <laughs> you a human first. I don't, I don't really care. I have to make it private. It don't matter. On Instagram, I'm I am chills with like three or four underscores. I don't even know how many underscores it is. Oh, my God. Shout out my family, my wife, my daughter's parents, my sister, my friends, my family. My homeboys, distant cousins. Oh. <laughs> the whole wide world. We are all one. <laughs> I'm one with the stars and the moon and the sun. We are all the same. All right. You're making me laugh. <laughs> I appreciate you, <laughs> Officer Bradley. I'm looking forward to um getting arrested now. Psych, no. psych, psych, Don't call psych, me. psych, 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 <laughs> psych, psych. See, when I get pulled over, and I've gotten pulled over um for speeding, I'd be like, hey, how you doing? Put the little nice voice on. They'd be like... You crazy. <laughs> and, nah, you're not you know, getting out of this. I don't get out the ticket. I don't. But I try to have a conversation because I don't want it to be, what you pulling me over for? And all that dumb stuff. So I try to make it fun. They do their job and I eventually pay the ticket. I will tell you this before I, before I go. If you get pulled over and you have no intention of doing any harm to the officer, keep your hands where they can be seen. Mm-hmm. Under, I don't care if the officer cool or if you feel like he not cool. Mm-hmm. Keep your hands 
where they can be saved and ask questions. If, if he says, hey, can you give me your registration? Communicate. Listen, I can get you my registration, but my registration is, is, is in my glove box. Uh-huh. Now, I can reach in the glove box and get it. Uh-huh. Or if you would like, you can get it yourself. But that's where it is. Uh-huh. And he says, well, you can get it. Okay, I'm getting it now. And even if he feels like, yo, you ain't, because I'm going to be like, yo, you ain't got to do all of that. Do that for yourself anyway. Mm-hmm. I got to clean my glove box out. to make everybody more comfortable. I got all types of stuff in my glove box. Plastic bags, spoons, straws, scarves. Oh, <laughs> ketchup packets. Yes, ketchup packets. <laughs> the napkins, like everything. Never know when you're going to need that random ketchup packet. Yeah. I got uh, <laughs> buffalo sauce in there. <laughs> uh, what's that? Uh, the Polynesian. Yes, just just in case, man. You never know. So it take me a while right. to get my registration and stuff out, and then I'd be like, "Is this it? I think this is it." Put, that, put, put it somewhere where you know you can get to it. Put it in your visor. Good idea. Um, absolutely. Yeah, I want to reach for it. Or, you know, another good thing you can do is take a picture of it and keep it on your phone. Okay, yeah. Another one, yep. These are good tips that you're teaching people. I ain't never think to put it on yeah. my phone. I put everything else on there. Might as well do that one, too. Take a picture of your license. Take a picture of your registration. And then if you get pulled over, you can always say, listen, my registration in the club box, but it's, 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 it's crazy in there. I do have a picture of it on my phone. If you want to, I can take it to you. Or I can email it to you right now. Or I can just show it to you. They got to take it back to the car and put it in the computer, right? No? Not necessarily. Okay. I thought they took the registration. I mean, because, like, if I'm an officer, I got a phone. I can say, well, just, okay, hold your phone up. I'll take of your picture. But either which way, he's gotten what he, what he asked for. Right. Good tips, man. Well, Officer Bradley, I want to say thank you again for doing this for me and understanding policing better. I put my professional voice on until we talk again. Sign off. Be good. Don't get arrested. I, look, I'm not going to get arrested, but I, I thank you and I appreciate you. And you be careful on your job. Keep that pepper spray. Don't shoot nobody. Stay black. Don't get shot. All that good stuff. Black power. Know it. Black power. Black power. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you. All right, later. All right. Bye-bye. I just want to say thank you all for listening to the HHCC, the Hip Hop Christian Connection. I appreciate everyone who tunes into us on the Love Zone USA, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. I say that so fast because I'm so used to saying it now. It's been over a year now. And don't forget to tune in to Philly Jams 95.3 on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Thirsty Thursdays with me, your host Tasha Little Queen, on the HHCC. And I'm out.